Tim O'Connor's playing air bass. I'm screeching along with the words. A big uh, hello from uh, Swing Thoughts headquarters, golf spiritual leader and uh, coach Tim saying hey. Um, For you people, there's a crossover between uh, the Swing Thoughts community and the Humble and Fred community. And uh, several Swing Thoughts uh, devotees, STDs as we call them, are also Hundy P's, which is what we uh, call the Humble and Fred listeners. There's a Venn diagram there somewhere. But anyway, I want to thank uh, a few of you that reached out to me. A couple days ago was our 11th anniversary, Fred and I. October 17th, 2011, uh, we started our podcast. And uh, yeah, we just passed 11 years. And I was thinking about that because it was the same day I came to visit you at your Hall of Fame inductee ceremony, which we're going to talk about in a second. And I was thinking, you know, you and I started this not long after Fred and I, because I remember the studio that used to come to visit me in. That was uh, early days of the Humble and Fred Show. Twenty, You say 2015 we started? Absolutely. Yep. Really? Yeah, I remember going to that studio, and I would drive all the way there. All the way from Guelpa. And we do one, and then and then we went, okay, let's do a bunch of these, because I'm driving all the way there. Oh, that was horrible. An hour, <laughs> an, an hour at least to get there. And now, for years, <laughs> I get to do it from the comfort of my own office. Yeah, it's pretty, we were talking about that, too, Freddie and I, how the... Uh, actually, we were being interviewed... A strange interview we did yesterday about the anniversary with Ed the Sock, who I used to work with years ago at the city. Anyway, um, but we were talking about how this technology has changed the way we did our show because, you know, Freddie was driving in, you know, from uh, Brampton to where I live now, where we do this, this show now. And if it hadn't been for the pandemic and the ability to do it like we're doing, I don't know that he would have. I think he would have gotten tired at some point of driving in, especially in the winter time. Oh yeah. But now as you, you know, sit there in Guelph, I'm here in Toronto, we can do the show basically anywhere we want. Gotta love that technology. Yes, and, bro. Hey, congratulations, man. Thank you. That's awesome. I mean, you guys really for a lot of podcasters show that you can do this thing seriously and and earn some coin doing it. Well, it's one of those things, and you know this, because we've been now doing this together for almost seven years, but lots of people get to episode one, two, three, four, and then they find out a couple things. They find out how difficult it is and how there's no money in it. So, you know, when Fred and I started, like I was saying to this guy who was interviewing, I'm sorry, the sock interviewing us yesterday, I said, 11 years in podcast time is like, we're like the Wright brothers. There was no, <laughs> we, we used to have to literally explain what a podcast was to people, show them on their phone, how they could easily download it. You know, up until quite recently, most people couldn't name a podcast that they listened to. That's right. And now everybody, including uh, well-dressed dogs, <laughs> have a podcast. That's right. Everyone has a podcast. You know who supports ours. And this was great. Uh, we ran into our friend Nick from TaylorMade at, uh, and by the way, where were we? Were we at the Ontario Hall of Fame? Yeah, we were at uh, Wooden Sticks Golf Club, which is um, 
adjacent to uh, the Golf Ontario headquarters. Mm. So the the actual Hall of Fame, I'm not sure that there's an actual room with uh, plaques on the wall and busts of people. I think it's more of a... Um, a digital thing. Okay. But we were in we were in the wooden sticks um I, I guess a banquet room that they have there. But by my point is that's that's where the Ontario Golf Association is headquartered. Yes, the, the GAO, Ontario, okay. as they call themselves, yeah. Well we ran into Nick from TaylorMade and this guy's been so good to us and we basically agreed nothing formal yet, but we've agreed in principle to continue our relationship. Yeah, it's pretty special. I don't know, do I have anything here? It can make a noise. Or... I don't know if that's Ooh. it. Okay. <laughs> like a white guy. Mm-hmm. TaylorMade. TaylorMade Golf. And uh, so we'll continue to support them. They support us. Uh, we're going to be getting uh, some new gear. There is a, I saw something online about a new stealth driver. Yeah. Another generation of the stealth driver. And uh, all I know is, even in the last couple of weeks, when I've been going through a little bit of not golf hell, I was it's a new word I'm going to introduce. I've been going through some golf ennui. Oh, we yeah, exactly. Um, even in the last couple of weeks, when it's been a little colder and I haven't really been into it, I've hit a couple drives with this thing that are just still like a bit shocking for a grown old man like myself. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, I I, I played Sunday uh, with some young people, uh, like young enough to be my kids and and so this guy he's a big guy you know he's got the tats and the biceps and all that stuff and not a, not the greatest golf swing but when he hits it he hits it and he was not walmarting me i was within hailing distance of that oh yeah man. and uh, i think a lot of it had to do with that technology yeah absolutely well i had the opposite experience i played with uh in the last few weeks, I had a couple rounds with uh, my buddy Jamie Cavanaugh and some guys. Actually, a guy that you know, uh, Dougie Rosart. Oh, yeah. Great guy. Boy, and he hits it. And he has a stealth. He loves it. Yeah. Well, he hammers it out there. 68-year-old man. Very, very fine player. Screams it out there. Well, you talk to him because I Walmarted him a couple of times. Aw. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I was like, they were oh, all bugging me. not surprised at all. And, and they were all bugging me like, oh, does the twist face technology stealth driver? I'm like, whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> but I, you asked Dougie. We played um, a couple times, actually. And um, I, I just happened to be swinging it well this one day. And it wasn't very warm. But I just crushed a couple. And I was like, you know, that were just a little bit. I don't know what it was, just the combination of that particular swing, that particular technology. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. So You create a lot of speed, man. Thank you. You do. Yeah, absolutely you do. So let's talk about, um, I want to start with the Hall of Fame. And uh, you can take it. Basically, why don't you explain uh, the honor that you received? And then I'll tell you about some of the things that were said about you that I totally agree with. Okay, well, <laughs> well, thanks. So, the Golf Ontario has a has a Hall of Fame, and they induct people largely from the business builders, players, etc. And so they've got that side of it, but they also created, I'm not sure exactly when they did, but uh, to commemorate whatever um, people in the media, they created the Lauren Rubenstein Award. And, you know, in, you know, obviously Lauren is one of the, the greatest writers uh, in Canadian golf, probably the greatest. 
And so they created this award. And so it's kind of like a lifetime recognition thing. So people who have been in the golf business for a long time writing about it, they, they've got this committee and they take a look at someone who they believe they contributed to growing the game in Ontario, supporting it, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, and uh, very fortunate in that they recognized me and in 2020. And so um, because of the pandemic, they were unable to hold a ceremony in which you get recognized and give a little speech and whatnot. And, um, and a lot of your friends come. And it, so they had that on Monday night, finally the first one um, since uh, 2019. So, um, me and uh, Ted McIntyre, he used to edit uh, Ontario Golf Magazine, and Scott McLeod, who is, uh, he's still with uh, Flagstick Magazine. And so, he was the 21 uh, winner, and Scott was the 22, so we finally had to ha- got to have our, 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 uh, our shindig on Monday night, and it was amazing. I mean, you were there. A lot of my friends through you know through the years, going back thirty thirty five years in the in the business, were there, and and it was amazing to have um, Sandy and my son Sean there. So it was it was a, a wonderful wonderful event. Yeah, well, there was uh, a lot of people that love you, myself included. Uh, I didn't I didn't just come for the uh, shrimp cocktail and the sushi. <laughs> So, uh, I was having a discussion with your wife about what I should eat next. And I said, oh, I'm going to go get some of that shrimp. And Sandy's like, yeah, great idea. And I get over there. And what they had done is they'd spread the shrimp out on this block of ice. Yes. And I, I couldn't get any of the shrimp was literally frozen to the ice. And I was complaining to Sandy. I, I think she was like, why, why are you telling me all this? I kept saying to Sandy, this is shoddy. The shrimp is frozen. And I was just being silly. Um, so it was great. I was happy to be there uh, for several reasons is that I'm a big fan of yours. And I'd never been to one of those things. Um, Rod Black, I thought, did a great job. Oh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I uh, you know, I don't know what your tolerance for nonsense is right now, but see, I, I, uh, I, I don't know if you, well, here's the thing. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there and, and I know Rod doesn't, I didn't see Rod before, <clears throat> excuse me. And I know Rod doesn't know I'm there. So I start texting him. <laughs> so I wanted to read what I wrote him because I wanted to see if I could crack him up. So he oh, he was doing his thing there, and I wrote uh, I wrote you're a very fine MC, and I don't get a response. And then ten minutes later, he sits down after he's introduced somebody. I go, does MCing give you a boner? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to his credit, he responded. He goes, I got one now, and I saw you. I was like, oh, Rodley. I thought he did a very good job. And I talked oh, yeah. about it on the show the next day. I'm with Freddie. And, and I said, you know, because Fred's like, why didn't you get to MC? And I said, this is not this is not my crowd. I mean, I could have, but I, I'm not as respectful or respected, obviously, as Rod Black. But I thought, here's what I thought he did. A very nice job, not only of your introductions, yours and the others, but I thought he was very, he made me feel good about being there. He made me feel good about, um, you know our support you know of of golf in ontario i really liked that he he was very very good and uh i thought your speech was very good um you oh, were 
yeah, I was very sweet and sincere and got a little emotional and and it was fantastic. And then hearing about all the things you've done, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to work with that guy. All the, you know, the, the articles you've written and the books you've written and the respect you have in the industry. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So I felt, you know, good for you by association. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. That means a lot. And one last thing, ran into Stu Hamilton, who is a legend. Oh, absolutely. God dang it. He's a legend in this game. And uh, the guy, I don't know how old the guy is now, probably early 70s, but he's like won everything that's ever been in Canada to win. Mm-hmm. And after I made, you know, some, I just said, nice to meet you. I said, Mr. Hamilton, can I ask you a couple of questions? And I asked him questions about playing tournament golf and, you know, how he got, you know, one of the things that all of us want to know is, you know, how do you bring your your good game, you know, to a tournament or to a round of significance? And, you know, the one of the first things he said is, you'll love this. And I don't know, what has he got to be in his early 70s, right? No, I would say older than that. He might, I would say he'd be 80-ish. Okay. So high, high 70s. Guy shoots his age every day. Um, and his wife was there, very lovely. And I asked him about how he did so well in tournaments. And he said, well, it's something that, when I can't remember her name, and we'll call her Betty, that Betty told me. And I said, what was that? You know what she told him? Breathe. Breathe. That was the big secret. I was like, I almost like, I was looking for some kind of, you know, revelation or something from on high. The tablets, exactly. (laughs) And you know that was, and that made me laugh. I was like, I can't wait to tell O'Connor that that was their big, (laughs) the 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 great way to play your best under tournament pressure. Don't forget to breathe. And I was like, okay, (laughs) sounds like sounds like Daffy Duck on Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Oh, I forgot to breathe. That's right. So. That was his wisdom. And, I, and then I pressed him a little bit about some of the rounds that he's had and, and what he did and all the, you know, it was just, just hearing him talk about how he played all. The guy's been on every team. He's been on every, you know, he just knows. It was just really cool. Yeah, well, that was really neat, too, that, that he was there. Because I saw this, I mean, he's like this very dignified, you know, elegant-looking older man. Just a really good-looking man. And, and, and um and the the ceremony was about to start, and this man says, "Excuse me, you can I have a word." And he said, "Hi, I'm Stu Hamilton." He sticks his hand out. I went, "Oh, Mr. Hamilton, nice to see you." And uh, anyways, he said that um, he really enjoyed reading the Feeling of Greatness book, and he had played rounds with Mo and all that, and so that meant a lot. You know, there was it was a really an emotional evening. Um, and Sandy said, so yesterday I was kind of feeling, I'd, I'd driven around and some stuff, and I was feeling kind of low, and Sandy goes, are you are you having a lunch bag letdown day? What, after the, the next day? <laughs> yeah, so, but that whole night was just like, it was like flying, it was crazy, like all these yeah. people there and friends, and, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're there to support and offer their congratulations, but it was, it's a different thing when someone who you don't really know but you respect says something about you know something that that I've created, and so that was, uh, and that that was part. Of, that's part of the pride I have in, I guess, in that award, but also you know writing the book uh, about Mo and how it's stood the test of time, if you will. But I think one of the things, and I don't want to uh, want to leave without ma- um, mentioning this, is that the thing that I really wanted to stress was um, 
Yeah, I, I got to win this award. It has my name on it and everything, but I, I mean this absolutely. Um, it's kind of a cliche, but we, we stand on the shoulders of 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 others and the importance of models and mentors and people who provide encouragement and support. I wouldn't have been able to, to do any of that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do this with unless I had people who who shored me up, who said, you know, Tim, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And because uh, just like a lot of us, I have I had my doubts about doing it for two years uh, before I quit the Canadian Press News Agency and the, you know, the, the check in the bank every two weeks. Uh, for two years, I spun my wheels away. I can't do this. I'll starve. But I had enough people like Lauren. John Gordon, Sandy, some other people say, you know what, you can do this. So I finally had the nerve to do it, and, and it worked out. But without that type of support, uh, that wouldn't have happened. I think, I don't know, I just think it's a big good reminder that we need people in our lives to be models, mentors, because you can't, you can't do any of this stuff alone, I don't think. No, well said. And um, so the, the award that Tim won uh, was the Lauren Rubinstein Award. Um, for I, I don't know, it's, it's just they call it the Lauren Rubinstein Award, uh, but it's now you're part of the Ontario Golf Hall of Fame, yeah, which is exactly. amazing. Um, now I didn't want to tell you this story, I'm pretty sure I've told you this, <clears throat> but I have a great long because I played a lot of golf with Lauren, lots of golf. We were at the National together for the entire time I was there, he was there. And um, one year I faced him. He's a very good player, Lauren Rubinstein. Oh, gosh, yeah. Very nice player. Four handicap at the National. So the guy could move. The guy could golf his ball. So one year I beat him either in the semifinals or the finals of the match play championship at the National. So like we 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 were we played in the same circles together and and I also liked him for a lot of other reasons because he was smart and I related to him uh, also because of the uh, the Hebrew connection you know we sort of had some of that in common but I don't know if I've told you the well, story you're both golf, you're golf and he's a golf, golf nerd nerds and, and right. writers and communicators right and that's true and again I'd had him I'd had him on the humble and Fred show the odd time yep. talking golf anyway. But I were, we were playing, again, if I've told the story before, I'm sorry, but I'll tell you again really quickly. We're playing the club championship at the National, and we get to the seventh hole, and he's having a decent round. We're both, you know, whatever, one over, one over two over, whatever. And then he makes a 12 on the seventh hole <laughs> and says nothing. Because he's like, you know, pretty quiet guy. Not like me. And he uh, makes a 12. And then we go and play the eighth hole to the 15th hole. And he says nothing about the 12. And we're on the 15th hole. This is whatever hours later. And uh, we have a wait because it's a par three. And we're just sitting there. Like, again, apropos of nothing. I guess he just was thinking about it. He goes, fucking 12. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a it was such a delayed reaction that it killed me. Because I was like, uh, the rest of us had forgotten it. Clearly, he had not. But it was just that moment of rumination going, God damn it. I made a 12. Really? That's right. Lauren Rubenstein made a 12. Um, Anyway, let's talk about this time of the year. And uh, something I called, uh, hang on a second. I'm sorry. I've been talking nonstop since six. So um, this, this idea of that this time of the year. 
Like, I don't know about anyone else, and I don't know about you, but I definitely have reached my best before date. Because I've had some rounds recently. Forget about how far I've been hitting it. But um, three weeks ago today, I shot 70. And then for the last couple of weeks, like I've had a couple of okay rounds, 74, 75. But I've also shot, (laughs) wait for it, I shot 85 last Wednesday. Like, like 85, 38, 47. And that's... (laughs) And that's how I knew that 47 with four doubles is how I knew I was done. I was like, uh, I couldn't, I didn't even have the energy to get mad. I just can't, I just kept making double after double. And it was like, uh, I, and, and I was playing with this buddy of mine, Mike Kazarian, who I love. And, and Mike, I, Mike knows when I, it's like an unspoke, not unspoken. It's like a bit with between us. When I start talking about what I'm going to eat, he knows I've given up that this is going to be the round of my life. So after my third double, I said to Kazarian, what's on the menu? And he, started, he started laughing. I just checked out. And so I've had a bunch of, not 85s, but I've had um, a bunch of rounds where I just not gave up, but I just have hit the wall. In terms of how much mental energy I can give to this now. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't reach it, you know, in July. I mean, yes, you play, I know. You, you told me like last, like, like, I knew you played a ton of golf, but that you even surprised me for the length of time that I've known you. And then you said that every day. Yes. Every freaking day you yes, have sir. a golf club in your hand. Every single one. And uh, that. That part, you know, it's amazing how much I think I know you, but and, and, and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. It's a lot of golf. And from the third week of August to uh, like, I don't know, last week. I didn't miss many days of playing golf, meaning go to the golf course, you know, get your card out, practice or or I would go and practice or play. But I didn't miss a lot of days. No, and it was an amazing season of golf, yeah. weather-wise. Yeah. I don't think that we hardly missed any days. And if rain came, it was just for 10 minutes and gone. Yeah. So I, I definitely got to the point where I was over-golfed. And then we had our final Saturday morning group game last Saturday. And it was pouring rain for three holes. And unbeknownst to me, there were some guys that started off, quit, went to the bar... And, and sat there for four and a half hours. But I, um, I always wonder how those guys get home, but that's another topic. I asked that question. I said, uh, I said to one of them who was sitting at our table after I said, uh, so uh, how are you getting home? You know, and of course I see, you know, I sound like a dick, but, uh, so it stopped raining after three holes and I, uh, I had an okay round. I think I was 76 or 77, but I, I, I could just tell and I was supposed to play the next day, and I said to my buddy, I said, I don't think I'm going to show up, and that was the last day. And that will be the last round of golf, excuse me, that I'll play. Because mm. um, I'll be back from my little France trip, which I'm doing uh, tomorrow, actually. I'll be back, and it'll be November. And yep. from, what, from what I remember, there is not a lot of golf to be played in November. But So I'm going to have a couple weeks off, uh, actually the next month off, without really touching a club too much. But I'm done. I know I feel physically and mentally used up <laughs> by, no, totally, by totally. the game. No, uh, you, it's kind of like, I don't know, Howard Glassman, Bobby Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you, can right. only, you can only sustain that amount of focus. I don't know. Did, did, did you lose like 
10 pounds around or something? You know, there's a there's a phrase I, I heard for the first time yesterday that the years where Bobby Jones won 13 majors in seven years and people who wrote about that period in his life, guys like you, Herbert Warren, Wind, Tim O'Connor, you know, the, the greats. Uh, um, Bobby Jones. Howard Bobby Masters. Jones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm doing the same thing. They call that the fat years. Those seven years were called his fat years where he just won everything. I know. I know. It's not politically correct anymore. His uh, his big boned years. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I never heard that phrase. But that was his his house like like Tiger, you know, in 2000 or whatever. That period of 97 to 2008. Jones period was called his fat years. And I, I sort of heard that. And I thought, have I had my fat years? If I, uh, what if that's it? What if that's your, what if that's all you get from golf, Tim? Well, you know, it, it makes sense. So Bobby Jones retired at the age of 28. He retired from competitive golf. And part of the thing he said that it was just the game took too much out of him. And if you're going to play this game at a high level, it takes an extra level of focus. And, I totally get how by by October, with the amount of golf that you play, sir, that as you wisely said, your best before date. I'm surprised you didn't reach it earlier. No, you're right. Because um, there's only so much focus you can you can muster. Because it takes that's that's reason we're tired after golf. Never mind you walk four and a half miles or what. You know, no, I think it's. I don't know. I forget how far. I think it's it is. ten kilometers, actually. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, or so six miles. Hours. That's what. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, that's not what makes you tired. It's the mental energy. So, yeah. Um, as far as you know, doing the rest of the show, what we can offer the audience, you know, again, is just to kind of reiterate that there's a, uh, you know, what is that old song that the birds uh, to every season, you know, there's a time to. Turn, 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 turn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, I will benefit like a lot of us will benefit from taking a little time away. Oh, absolutely. You know, that being said, I'm going to be playing some golf this winter. But uh, yeah, the the it's I, and I was ready for the season to be done. Now, if I were going to stay here over the next couple of weeks, which I'm not, apparently there's like four days in a row coming up that are going to be really nice days. That's will right. you will you play some golf before it's all done? I will likely play when I get back from British Columbia. I'm going to visit my son Corey. Uh he lives way the hell over there. <laughs> so um we've been talking so we're still trying that's what i'm going to be doing today is arranging uh my flights and ferry schedules <laughs> to get this little remote island he yeah, lives yeah on. he lives uh he doesn't live on you got to go to vancouver island to go get to see him i gotta he take li- two ferries right he, is it tofino that sandy was saying he lives on uh no it's lesquiti island and right People go, where's that? And the joke that we make is that's where you go and you're, where you're in the witness protection. <laughs> that's right. You're running from something. <laughs> exactly. So w- when I get back, maybe if we get a decent November, I'd like to play a couple more rounds. Yeah. I mean, I think I was talking to our golf course. Uh, a lot of the courses in Ontario that are private will be closed soon. Club Link tends to keep some of their courses open, but I was talking to the people at Glen Karen, like last year it was open until I think the second week of November. Yep. But this year 
I believe they're going to close a little early uh, for reasons that I do not know. I think a lot of the staff are just burnt out. I know a lot of, uh, because I consult also for Clublink, I, I keep in touch with a lot of the golf professionals and management people, and they say, please snow tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> like, they want to be done with it. Like three feet of it. <laughs> they want it to be over. And, and part of the reason is, is that just like so many other parts of the economy, they've been understaffed. Yeah. And so there's not And they work a lot. Anybody, oh, they work a ton. Yeah. And that's the thing about the Canadian golf particularly uh, the golf business is uh, in season you work a lot yeah Whoa. it's a lot of uh, commitment or you don't get a lot of days off it's funny that no. you and said I actually uh, think that's part of the reason why uh, I think the business is going to have to do a bit of a rethink quite honestly because I know a lot of people who have left the ranks of golf professionals because mm-hmm. they just get burnt out yeah and they unless you're you know head professional and director of golf you're not making great gobs of money and you're working some pretty insane hours so it's a tough it's a tough biz i mean if you got kids and stuff you you know you get the 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 free shirts and nice clubs from whomever but that doesn't help uh pay the mortgage no and as uh, you say unless you're at the top of that pyramid and even then you know the guys, there's only a few people in Canadian golf that are making sort of what you would say is, you know, pretty good money to very good money. And those are, there's only a few of those jobs, you know. There's only oh, a few of those private clubs where you can be the head pro at St. George's or the National or, you know, Mississauga or whatever, mm-hmm. Marine well, Drive. the model changed. I mean, the, the model changed. It used to be that if you were the head professional at a private golf club, in essence, you owned, you know, whatever carts there were. Yeah, and the shop. And the, the shop was yours. Yeah. And the club said, you, great. And then private golf clubs and the member-owned ones included, and equity clubs went, wait a sec. That's a lot of money we're giving <laughs> I mean, away. I mean, all those all those people riding these carts and we're not getting a dime for that? No. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, Even the little uh, place I grew up in, Moose Jaw, the Moose Jaw Golf and Curling Club, uh, I worked in the pro shop for Mr. Berglund. Uh, was the guy who owned it. He wasn't a pro, but he was the, the golf shop manager, and and, I, and we didn't have a pro at that point. But yeah, that he had the shop and the carts, and that's how he made money. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, by way of wrapping things up, so we're going to do this. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be off, and then we'll come back and uh, talk about our winter plans, and we'll talk about some of the things that you can participate in uh, with Tim and he's got a couple of things that uh, will be available to Swing Thought listeners um, as always we appreciate your uh, support of the podcast this might this might be one of the shortest ones we've ever done because I literally unless you have unless there's something you'd like to bring up as we say goodbye all I want uh, I, I want to when I'm done this today later today or probably this evening I'm going to read the New Yorker magazine story about Live Golf. That's getting a lot of buzz. And apparently I saw something today that that 
that whole Live Golf thing nearly died before it even started because there's within Live Golf, there's such a reaction like Mickelson. What the fuck did you say? <laughs> That's right. Why did you say it? Oh, the, so, the the famous Alan Shipnick interview that he says now yeah. that he didn't give. Well, he's being a that, dick that, about it. He said I didn't. Oh well, and, and even though we all know he's ta- he talked to him, but he's being a bit coy with his choice of words. Like he was trying to say, oh, I didn't give the interview to him. Yeah, but he phoned Shipnuck. Right. He anyway. phoned Shipnuck okay. and engages him in this conversation. So. so it's the New Yorker article? I'm going to find that. Yeah. Live Golf New Yorker. Okay. I'll, I'll look at that. New Yorker. Yeah, I don't know who wrote. I I, I, I don't even know. Who, I, I got to think it's probably David Owen who wrote it. He's uh, um, he's an amazing writer. It's uh, by a guy. Hang on a second. Read this story for free. Oh, God. I used to have a... a, By Zach Heflin. Okay. I think... Well, it says, Will the Saudis and Donald Trump save golf or wreck it? Is that the article you're talking about? That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. And, um, yeah, I mean, we can take a second here. And it's interesting what's happening is Live Golf's got their big team championship thing coming up in Miami. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I haven't really been following it. I noticed I've seen some of the numbers they're getting on their YouTube views. It's, it's not very good. No, no. And, and the, the sense I'm getting from <clears throat> is that even like, so Golf Digest, I think that they're kind of grudgingly carrying news about it. You know, if Dustin Johnson you know wins and he wins, you know, I don't know how many millions of dollars he wins, but... I just I think even like even the people I play golf with none of them are interested and they all don't like it yeah and they just see it as a money grab but I, there's a guy we're going to have on um, the podcast <clears throat> coming up uh, it's, I think it's within the month um, oh darn I forget his name he's a really interesting guy <clears throat> Scottish professional and I listened to him on Carl Morris's podcast and they were talking about it and and it was interesting is that they were talking about something that you and I talked about and is that, okay, so you get, what, you're Dustin Johnson and you get $200 million or whatever you got. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, how does that fuel you to play golf? Like, what is the impetus to keep your game sharp, to to compete? And, and, and it honestly, quite honestly, to get out of bed and to do this thing because you already got all your money. And I just think that following the money trail, yeah, I mean, if someone offered me $200 million, maybe it'd be a different deal. But at a certain point, I don't know. It just it seems like a pretty empty existence to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm hearing that I mean, Liv has dominated the conversation in golf, uh, even in my little world as well. It's, it comes up and usually there's a bit of a face. I haven't really talked to too many people that are super excited about it. That being said, I have seen some reaction from younger men and women that, um, you know, that they kind of dig the excitement. I got a I got a text from a humble and Fred listener talking about how not a very uh, serious golf fan, but did to, you know, check it out and uh, and and, um, you know, thought it was exciting and that's fine. But they're not a real like again. And I only responded to them by saying the same thing I've been saying to anyone, which is, hey, listen, it's fine. If you enjoy it, watch it. To me, it doesn't have the same. There's yeah. not the same com- 
I'm not as compelled by it because there's no cut. There's no qualifications. There's no, they're, they're, they're basically, as Brandel says, Chambly says, they're just bought and paid for guys. And so whether Dustin Johnson won 31 million in six events, I mean, yeah, it's cool. The money sounds amazing, but I was, I've watched, uh, the last couple of weeks on the PGA tour and watching this Tom Kim guy and oh, seeing, yeah. yeah. And seeing Mackenzie Hughes win a tournament. It, it just means more. Well, yeah. And a lot of those guys, they're, Talk about best before date being expired. You know, all, all, so many of those guys, Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed, I think those best days are behind them. And you can you can take, uh, you know, quite honestly, I, I think there's something with Bryson that I should perhaps be empathetic about. But he just, he aggravates me. <laughs> and oh, yeah. A lot of people just find him annoying. And, and. I read a really good piece by a really a great writer named John Hawkins. <clears throat> Excuse me. And like I think Bryson has really shot himself in the foot. I mean, he was talked about all the time. You can change the game. Oh yeah. You know, whether you liked him or not, people were talking about him. And I think he was a bit of a oh, an attention whore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and who talks about Bryson DeChambeau anymore? Exactly. Great point, by the way. I think that's a very good point. He was the most talked about guy around the time he won the U.S. Open, bulking up, uh, club head speeds. Are you change be- the game? Yeah, never before seen on the PGA Tour, hitting his 7-iron 230. It really was, even though he was kind of a dweeb, um, I, I never really vibed with him, but I was impressed by it. But that's a great point. I haven't heard anyone talk about it other than in derisive manner. And other than he made it to the finals of the top four, of the world long drive, which again is interesting, I guess. But, you know, I watched Keegan Bradley uh, win the <laughs> Zozo Championship. And, uh, you know, I was more compelled by that. You know, oh, and uh, Ricky Fowler's in the mix. Ricky Fowler's there. All of that. I, I laughed because there was a wonderful tweet this week of Keegan Bradley going through his whole no, I saw point thing oh my God. On, on, on about a three and a half foot putt. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Get on with it. Yeah. And, and I loved how it, it it droned on forever and ever. You know, he's facing the hole, faces away from the hole, wipes the face of his putter, and then he lips out. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, um, I saw another meme or meme uh, meme of uh, him going through his pre-shot routine to hit a drive, and it went on and on. And I know it's easy to make fun of it because it is ridiculous that he flips his thing three or four times. Oh, yeah. But I know none of us know what it feels like to have 8,000 people watch you tee off in a tournament on TV you know, on the PGA Tour. I mean, you know, I mean, you you almost can forget. Like, the rest of us are just playing with our idiot buddies on Saturday morning. So we can't really relate because, you know, who knows under that kind of pressure what it would do to, you know, the rest oh, of us. Yeah, absolutely. Self-immolate. <laughs> oh, I know. The, um, speaking of funny, uh, there's, do you ever uh, watch on YouTube or follow him on Twitter, uh, Golf Pro Guy? Oh yeah, the the yeah the club pro guy. I think you mean yeah club pro yeah club yeah. pro guy. He's funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, he's hilarious. Yeah, and very so good. He did a thing. I think that the top ten live douchebags. 
<laughs> and I was shocked that that uh, just people go watch it. It's so so funny. Um, that I was surprised that Bryson came in at number three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I won't I won't ruin the surprise who was number two and number one. That's funny. Oh, because, you know, and that's what I thought about when when all these guys started to go like, oh, Kepka, yeah, you can take him. Yeah, I can't um, stand him. You know, Bryson, yeah, take him. You know, Patrick Reed, I, I I've been saying, you know, I, I think the PGA Tour helped uh, pay for him to go. Um, <laughs> that's right. They said, don't let the door a- hit you on the ass on the way out. PR. Oh yeah, because there was so, and it was interesting is that once he was gone. There was, you know, Monaghan, commissioner of the PGA Tour, and all these other. They opened up about how much of a pain in the butt yeah. the read the reads were. I mean, constantly demanding things of the tour, and um, and uh, who is who is Reed suing? He's, He's suing the PGA somebody. Tour. Oh yeah, no, it's and Brandel Chamblee and the Golf Brandle. Channel and, and Chamblee for seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Good luck with that. No, exactly. Um, yeah, this, uh, like Brooks Kepka apparently won the live event. And, you know, I didn't see it, but I heard about that. He was saying it was one like, is it better than any of the majors he won? It's like, oh, you guys, stop it. Just stop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you're being uh, silly now. Gooch. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, Gooch said like a couple, uh, six, eight weeks ago. After the first event, yeah, this is just as exciting as the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. Oh, give it a rest. Yeah. Anyhow, well, there you go. There's our show for uh, the... um the uh, the October nineteenth. This is when we're recording it. It'll be out in a couple of days. Uh, Timmy, enjoy visiting your uh, son in the remote, you know, parts of BC. I'm on my way to France with my ex-wife. I don't have time to tell that story, but I'm going. And, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to it. Oh we'll yeah, report when you get every, back. Every time I tell that to people, they're like, "What?" I go, "Yeah, it's a long story. It's like a movie." Are you guys getting back together? I go, no. I mean, I, what, I'd like to get our money back together, but as far as the other stuff goes. Anyway, uh, thanks to uh, TaylorMade Golf, as always, NeuroPeak Pro, and uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca is where you get a hold of Tim. I'm sure you'll be uh, blogging, maybe about your Hall of Fame uh, induction. Uh, that would be uh, interesting to hear what you think. I'm not. I don't know. I didn't think about blogging about that. But I do all right, all right. You do what you want to do. Friday, but it's all over social media. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah Subs Rife saw you everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. He was everywhere with these pictures. I liked them all. I liked them all. And of course, Humble and Fred continue at humbleandfredradio.com. We'll see you next time, everybody. We on down south. Um, you know, I'm not allergic to dogs, obviously.